Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this special Super Bowl edition of the Prime Subjective. <laughs> and by that, I mean the Super Bowl is currently going on, and we here at the Prime Subjective are talking about Star Trek, because that's what we would prefer <laughs> to do with our Sunday night. Um, tonight, we'll be talking about um, uh, Star Trek Discovery, Season 4, Episode 8, All In, which incidentally was my nickname in college. Um, and with me tonight is our wonderful, distinguished panel. We've got Carrie Hinners. Hello, hello. We've got Michael Hindley. Hello, hello. And we've got Jane Neum. In, in high school, my nickname was <laughs> Nothing Out. <laughs> oh, the opposite of all in. I see what you did there. Yeah, Chris, you can't feed the audience. Give them, let them. Listen, if we learned anything from Discovery, we want to. okay with that. If we've learned anything from Discovery, uh, points are best made if they're spelled out completely in, in <laughs> stark terms without any sort of oh. illusion uh, going on. Well, yes, I guess yes. I guess you're all in on explaining the joke, <laughs> and I'm nothing out on explaining the joke. So, high school is not so far away. Fair, fair enough. <laughs> well, um, well, while we're on it, you know, so how you know um, we're here at my favorite uh, segment, which is how you doing. So, um, uh, Jay, how are you doing since we were just speaking about how you're nothing out? How's nothing out doing? Oh, nothing out. Well, nothing out got wings for the first time in a long time yesterday. They're very good. Um, but it was sort of odd because the place I went to did the entire wing of the chicken, whereas usually you get like they kind of like cut it in half. So yeah. these were large wings, like kind of disorientingly large <laughs> um like, this might not have been a chicken it might have been something else. <laughs> something else uh yeah and um oh i started a really good show yesterday that a friend made me watch and i'm gonna keep watching oh good well lodge 49 which yeah oh i've heard of that oh yeah 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 very interesting what, show I, I watched a little bit of that and meant to come back to it so yeah no that that's his like on my long list of shows <laughs> I also have a long list of shows. Yeah, me too. Uh, Mike, Mike Henley, of that long list of shows, is one of them called How You Doing? Because How You Doing? Uh, one of them is called How You Doing, but uh, I already know how How You Doing ends, which is great. I'm doing great. Uh, things are great. Um, yeah, I wish I, uh, yeah, just uh, wrapping up another weekend. Actually, we got a little bit of snow in the Philly area, so I was just doing a little bit of shoveling. We have the cursed... <laughs> We have the cursed side of the street right now, which is that um, the way the sun hits it, basically, mm -hmm. um, you know, the other side will lose a lot of snow. Of course, they didn't melt and whatnot. Basically, we don't get too much melty stuff going on. So uh, nothing but shoveling for us. So but no, it was good. Finally took down that Christmas tree for anyone keeping tabs on that tree. Tree is down um, a lot of chores, errands, stuff like that. Figuring out what Valentine's Day is going to be because that's tomorrow. Um, hey good stuff all around. Yeah. Oh, God. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Uh oh, Jay. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry to be bare of bad news. Yes. Uh, All right, Carrie. Carrie, how yeah. are you on the precipice of Valentine's Day? How are you doing? Mm, well, uh, I guess Valentine's related. I ate a lot of chocolate today. Um, my cousins invited me over, and we were watching the Olympics and having a chocolate fondue. They bought a fondue uh, pot. And we were dipping all sorts of things in chocolate. I ate a lot of chocolate. So that's that's how I'm doing today. That's my favorite part about fondue. Mm -hmm. I love how fondue <laughs> encourages the spirit of science and experimentation. It's like, what could I dip this, dip yeah. in this chocolate or cheese that yeah. might be delicious? I love Mostly that. 
most everything goes. Yeah, chocolate really, goes yeah. with most everything. For That's real. very good. Mm-hmm. What's the most like heretical thing you put in the fondue mountain? Hmm. I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say uh, heretical, and it's not quite fondue, but it used to be that I would get, I would go to this place, <laughs> this restaurant that had good cheese fries, and I would get a cheesesteak, and then I would dip the cheesesteak in the cheese that came for the cheese fries. So it's just like really, it's more like a snake eating its tail situation, sure, sure, mm-hmm. rather than heretical. Cheese and also on cheese, yeah, explains mm-hmm. the artery situation maybe going on with you right now. Who knows? You know. Uh, <laughs> You know, no, that's fine. Hmm. It's all good. We're it's under control. Um, I honestly I, I, cannot think of one thing that I wouldn't put chocolate on. <laughs> because people cook oh. with chocolate too. Like they put chocolate. You could you cook. You put like a some cocoa in a chili, and they put mm-hmm. big rubs with it. So chocolate, everything. String cheese is my answer. I don't know cheese and chocolate. <laughs> have you done that? I have. How was? How did? It, how did it taste? Um, it was good so long as you couldn't taste the cheese. <laughs> Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I see. All right. Well, then maybe not most ideal. <laughs> so, so, so I'm the heretic. So I, <laughs> so, so I have a question. Yeah. Chris, how are you doing? Oh my goodness. Well, Michael Henley, thank you so much for asking. <laughs> and I'm glad you did ask because I wanted to tell you something um, that I did this weekend that'll make you feel good about just taking down your Christmas tree. Um, I. Uh, just got rid of my Halloween pumpkin that front steps for what well, wasn't no I had like a pumpkin that I carved and then I had like you know a decorative gourd that was sitting there and it looked fine for a okay. while and then this week I came up to it now because it had been it'd been fine it was still decorative whatever but then I went to like test it out with my foot and it was a different consistency than it used to be. Ah, <laughs> it used to okay. be like a solid okay. shape. Yeah. And suddenly it was like a Nerf football soaked in water. And I was like, well, maybe it's time yeah. uh, to say goodbye to this gourd. Um, so I did send that gourd on its way. Um, and other than that, it's been a great weekend hanging with friends and family. And uh, 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 my friend uh, Emily is a great cook. She did a pop-up uh, dinner in New Jersey on Friday night that I went to. And she had... Um, uh, she made a, a fennel blood orange uh, burrata salad, which I'll be thinking about whoa, for the rest of whoa. my life. It was oh. so incredible. <clears throat> so if you want to follow her, you can follow Eating with Emily on Instagram. She's got a great, great little food Insta going on. So shout out to her. But yeah, thank you for the how you doing roundup. Why don't we? I think Karen, you have some trek in the news. I thought maybe I saw you. I... You sent us an article. Late breaking news. I just saw this. I was I was about to say, oh, I don't have any news stories today. But then this just came across my news desk. Um, there is a company called Celestis. And you may or may not know this, but they uh, have been they've been working with NASA. They're NASA sanctioned. And what Cel- Celestis does is um, let me get their specific mission statement here. Celestis is the first company to have successfully conducted memorial spaceflight missions. The only company to have been selected by NASA to honor one of its scientists. And for more than two decades, a pioneer of the commercial space age. So this is a commercial space flight, but the exception with Celestis is that they, in 2022, they are launching, um, uh, voyage that, that is called Enterprise, and um, it is it is memorial, which means that uh, there, what is on that space flight are you know uh, pieces of people uh, ashes uh, uh, that they are going to be launched into space to have their final resting 
uh, spot in space. And it is called Enterprise after Star Trek. And who oddly on the first flight is uh, Majel Barrett Roddenberry and uh, Jean Roddenberry, as well as um, uh, uh, Scotty uh, Duhan, Duhan, uh, Duhan, Duhan. James Duhan. James Duhan. James Duhan. And um, a variety of other people. (laughs) You can, um, I mean, I feel like that flight is all sold out now. Ah, if you want to die real quick, you can get on that flight. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, on their website, it's so interesting, celestis.com, you can uh, (laughs) launch into the Earth orbit, uh, launch to the, launch into deep space. So this one that's going out with Star Trek, Enterprise is going into deep space and it's going to stay there. So that will be So the Waxana Troy space. is going to be in deep space, is what you're telling me. Yes, that will I, be her final resting place. Yes. That is incredible. Yeah. I want to hear a customer testimonial. It's starting at $12,500 there. So, oh, okay. so okay. Yeah, well, that's to be launched into okay. deep space, but you can go to space and return to Earth for $2,500. But they also offer memorial Ooh. services. So it's like an event. So they're going to have an event with service, and people will be there to pay their respects. Hmm. Yeah. And, and go on their website. There's like a lot of people that are on yeah. this uh, spaceship. So you can read about who's who's going up in space. I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, I don't know that I would do that, but I like that the option is there. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I plan was... on living forever. Yeah. So, I mean, despite sure. all the cheese I eat, I plan on living forever. <laughs> and, uh, you know. <laughs> I feel like part of it is not just their ashes, but it's you're launching your DNA into space. So that's true. You could possibly put yourself up there while you're still alive. If you could launch your DNA up there. <laughs> well, that's like all, the whole end of um, the book contact, you know, that scientist who's been sort of funding all the things that, that help. I don't know if you guys are familiar with contact, the movie or the book, but um, love, love that movie. I've never read the book. Yeah. So like that scientist who like keeps sending her like he sends her the prime, the primer and he mm-hmm. is funds that second machine. Um, he's like living on a space station and he's launched. He's fakes his own death and gets launched into deep space. And he's going to go into like a uh, basically a. um uh, cryo sleep basically to, to hopefully be discovered at a time when whatever is wrong with him and it was is able to be fixed right. so i guess it's yeah. like sending your dna into space that idea of like maybe i can be reborn or recreated or you know cloned out of my ashes um i mean it's a real romantic way to look at uh the, the afterlife mm. right it's a nice uh <laughs> This is a real spoiler well, for Dune fans who people who people who have read Dune, but I feel like that's how one of the very final Dune books ends is everybody's dead, but they oh. have their DNA, so they just build them all over again. Really? <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Huh. yeah. Oh, I've, I've only read. I've only, I only read, read the first, first one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the right. books get weird well, after well, the first they get one. Super I think. Weird. I'm, yeah. I'm glad yeah. to know even classic sci-fi series can jump the shark. You know? yes. don't, don't don't people of like our, our earth like the jewish faith people of earth end up in the book series like they've been wandering even in space for ten thousand years and they show up in these oh books my gosh. later on there's so many religious parallels so yeah okay. maybe i love that That's yeah cool. well should we talk about what we're here to talk about sure which is um 
uh, Crossroads, the Britney Spears movie from 2000. Oh, no, oh, sorry. That's love the it, other love podcast. It. Okay, all right, so all right. Oh, my God, sorry. Starring, starring a young please. Zoe Saldana, <laughs> Yo, yes, uh, which is yes. crazy to think about. Written by oh, Chandra really? Rhimes. Did you know this? Yes, I amazing. Did. Wait a second. Yeah. That's a Star Trek. You know, we yes. can bring it back to Star 100%. Trek with Zoe 100%. Saldana. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 Uhura is in it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. That's very funny. No, we're here to talk about um, episode eight of Discovery All In. Um, I've got a very vague sort of synopsis because I figure I've gotten too much in the details in the past. We can make it more of an open discussion. It's based on the life story of you, Chris. Yeah, All In, right. Exactly right. Well, all those shady dealings I had when I was an interstellar courier. Yep. Um, which is also my nickname in college. No, I don't know. That one's a thing. I'll sleep that one out. I'm not sure about that one. I was imagining you like coming in on different days with a different self-given nickname and everybody else kind of ignores you. Yeah, we're like, we're just going to call you a newcomer like we've been calling you since freshman year. Okay, leave us alone. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Chris, you hear? It's all in today, teach. <laughs> so in this episode, we have we come from the cliffhanger of Book and Ruan Tarka having stolen a prototype spore drive um, to go rogue and go against the, the choice of uh, the uh, Federation and, and their compatriots who had decided to go for the peaceful approach. They're deciding, hey, guess what? We're going to go try to use our um, isolytic weapon that, that uh, were, which were banned during the Kittimer Accords once again, which were brokered by uh, Curzon Dax. I just want to throw that out there one more time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, but um, in this opening of the episode, so Starfleet is mounting an extensive search for Book and Tarka, along with the Spore Drive, and President Rillick personally is admonishing Burnham and Admiral Vance right at the beginning for letting this come to pass, you know, accusing them both of being close to these two people who have absconded with the drive. Um, and she says she feels Burnham is too close to the situation due to her relationship with Book. And Vance and Rillick have a united front ordering the Discovery to gather more data on Species 10C, uh, as Starfleet looks to entertain, uh, intercept and detain the two rogue figures before they can gather the material needed for their illegal experimental weapon. But then, as has happened literally 50 million other times, someone goes, uh, Vance goes over to Burnham and says, hey, I know we said one thing, but can you get creative? Um, and can you go pursue Book and Tarka uh, as you, he feels she's best suited for the job? He, he knows she knows how to work creatively, find the loopholes. Um, we also get a scene where we see Book is visibly conflicted about his decision to betray the Federation. Um, and Tarka's trying to sort of get him to feel good about what they're doing. And, and he's also confident that their actions will be absolved for destroying the anomaly. He's like, you know, they'll, they'll totally, once they see what we've done is good, they'll come around. Which is, you know, classic, you know, good guy um, um, rhetoric, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so that's sort of like the opening gambit that goes on. Any thoughts about those opening scenes from, from y'all? I just go oh, ahead, Jake. Yeah, no. Well, whenever I see someone dress down Michael Burnham, I always side with them. I always <laughs> like they're always right. Like the um, Rillick is totally right. She's basically she says, you know, how did, did you see this coming? And they say no, and it's like, well, then how do you not see this coming? And there's a trade-off where she gives Burnham in particular this long leash to do whatever she wants because she supposedly has these incredible emotional and inspirational talents, and she'll constant she'll, she'll be in the middle of big situations and she'll ask people to trust her because she can talk someone down and stupidly enough it's worked in the past um but here yeah it's kind of like well i give you that long leash and you flaunt a lot of rules and i let you and here you are with and you don't even realize what's going on under your nose yeah i a lot of 
interesting positions being taken by the characters in this scene here. And I think that, um, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me too, is that when uh, Michael gets dressed down for, you know, like, how did you not see this coming? I mean, and first of all, you know, with, with Admiral Vance, I think would just would, you know, I, I think the whole, like, how did you not see that, you know, Tarka might do something like unreasonable. It's like, doesn't he have like a history of doing that at this point? Yeah. I mean, this is extreme, but I mean, it's, you know, um, but also when she's talking to Michael, you know, and, and I, I, you know, they have this moment of, you know, how did you not see this coming? And Michael's just like, no, he was giving no indications whatsoever. And I feel like this is probably an overcorrective, I think, from the previous episode, maybe a little bit, if only because it feels it feels extreme. It feels like, you know, I think, you know, maybe not 100 percent of the work was there, I think, in the previous episode for showing book kind of agonizing over the choice and then making it basically. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like what they did here was it was kind of like a like a like a saving throw from from the writers here to just be like, no, no, it totally adds up. Burnham is just very unobservant, you know, because he was she, she was in the room with him for a lot of what happened in uh, the previous episode. It's just it feels it feels kind of undercutting Michael in kind of like a weird way. It's just like, no, no, she just really. Yeah, she knew he was suffering, but like she just really was not paying attention to like, you know, what, what he was thinking about at all. He says he says something specific where it's something like. She, I don't know, at the end, after she gives a final speech that's in opposition to his final speech. Oh, for, in the last episode? In the last episode. Mm -hmm. um, he, he says, she says, like, I hope we can go back or whatever. And then he says, sometimes there's no going back. And yeah, that's yeah. Sort of like, yeah. You know, yeah. a movie, like, action hero who has the exterior and personality of a gruff, burnt steak kind of way, you know? <laughs> um, but, like, is that not a sign that things are... Come on, you dated That's... this guy and was and like closely worked with him for a year. Yeah, but haven't you been in a relationship where you were ignoring all the warning signs? You're like, everything's good. You know, he's kind of feeling great, but, you know, I think it's going to work out. I've, I've uh, been there. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, but I think that... Yeah, I, I, I agree, but that, that proves... That, that proves her point, though, that Michael is too close to book. Like, Michael yeah, is not seeing things yeah. clearly. And, and I feel like the show might disagree with that, honestly. Or at the yeah. very least, I think they want to kind of have their cake and eat it, too, with that. Yeah, the only kind of reason they let her have this special setup, like, the only real justification you can give <laughs> is that she's in a unique, she can uniquely manipulate all these different people who are otherwise, like, unusable, like book. Because mm -hmm. if she wasn't there, Book would just be some random smuggler, like one-off person. Yeah. But through her unique emotional talents, she can corral him and use him for the Federation. I'm making it a little more functional than it is. I'm sure there's some mm -hmm. real love mm -hmm. that we never really see, but I'm sure exists in the right in the writers' minds. Mm -hmm. But yeah, now she's her. She suddenly turns out to be horrendously incompetent at it. <laughs> <laughs> any Carrie, any thoughts for you from this from this opening set of scenes? Yeah, I, what I was thinking about when I was watching the show was, oh God, the guys are going to have something to say about this episode. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, oh, oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, mean, I do. <laughs> I mean, they're going to, they're going to have something to say because like, <laughs> I wanted to like it. And I was just like, I do like it. So I wish I could just enjoy it for what it was and not think too hard about it. Cause when you start to yeah, think but you sign up for a podcast, it, baby, <laughs> you're like, you're like, Oh my God, why? So I definitely was like, it, it's all like on par with how they've been treating Michael this whole yeah. entire time. So no surprise there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not surprised by the, 
how they're treating the relationship between Michael and Book, because even a lot of the romantic relationships on all Star Treks have been sort of surface level. They don't get really deep into it. One of my favorite relationships, of course, is Paris and Bolana, but even mm -hmm. that one doesn't get too deep into it. They just mm -hmm. sort of, and I, I, so I'm like, okay, no surprise there. I kind of wish, what I wish more so than a plot or whether there's having they're having any moral problems that they have to solve. I don't care so much about that, but I just like to see character developments. I just like to see how characters evolve, whether they're gonna evolve for the better or turn into a bad guy. I don't care. I just kind of want to see how they will change. I don't like to see people the same every single episode. And I I think that Michael had I think that character has shown some, but I think it's just in how people treat her. Mm -hmm. And I think hmm. that it's, I think that she perhaps has shown more uh, restraint as when, as she's the captain, but, but then people going to her, like, I know you're going to, you have the ability to just go and do this anyway. So we're not going right. to tell you to do it, but we're just going to suggest it's like, so I don't like that part. Like I well, want people to, I like the directness. <laughs> well, and also don't you think it's such a waste of resources? Admiral Vance yeah. is like, yeah, we're still going to send out all these people to these places. We know he's yeah. not going to show up, but yeah. we know, you know where to go. So why don't you go? like, why don't you save your dilithium yeah. and yeah. just send Michael on the one mission you wanted to do anyway. But you know. Overall, there were things that I did like about this episode at the end, but I guess we could talk about that. Uh, overall, <laughs> overall later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. Yeah. I'll keep I'll keep going through a little more of the um, the summary we've got going on. So yeah, so we're talking about um, uh, I, I, at some point I will I will talk I will mention like the the one B plot that exists right now in this episode, which is really um, Doctor Colbert kind of freaking out about Book running away. But I don't know, I forget when it drops in, so we could just mention it it's now like, that they it's they one get a quick scene, scene. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just one quick scene about him freaking out about how Kovich warned him that, you know, he was burning the candle at too many ends. And so he wasn't there for his um, his patients when they needed him. And so he's upset that book who he was helping through this big crisis has, has gone rogue. And then Stamets um, solves it by taking him on through on a walk through the uh, through the fields on the holodeck, which is like, OK, I mean, I may, maybe that story was more fleshed out and it got sort of cut down. But that also exists in this episode. Um and so then we have um, Book meeting uh, with an old black market contact for isolinium on the Karma Barge. And um, the contact, as I was saying to you guys earlier, I think the contact looks like they put on the mask from the mask. I don't know what <laughs> species they are, but it's, very, <laughs> it's a very interesting face they've got going on. I think their name is Haz. Um, but they're looking for isolinium to power Tarka's weapon. Um, and they, at first he uh, offers up latinum and the guy says he wants more latinum and it turns out that they have an old beef from when um, uh, Book had uh, messed up a delivery because he was trying to save the worms that he, are from, from Quajon, you know, from his home planet. So there's a whole lot of sort of background tied in, but they do come to a consensus that um, they'll help them work with security technology to protect the casino from scammers and cheats and in return they can get the isolinium. Um, and then also Burnham, uh, uh, back on Discovery, reviews the location of the civilization responsible for the anomaly beyond the galaxy's edge, decides to make contact with the same information broker that uh, Book has just met with, 
Um, and she believes that they can provide more insight um, both on book and as well and as well as star charts of the regions outside of the galaxy because um, he, she thinks he has connections to the Orions who all have connections to the Stilf, which is uh, the um, the uh, civilization that's close to where they think the um, uh, species 10C is. And Burnham decides to bring along uh, Lieutenant Awujakun, um, and which is sort of a, a callback to when Awujakun earlier in the season um, wanted to ignore um, Saru's uh, directions and go and help some people. And so I think they're trying to flesh her out a little bit more, which I do love to see. Okay. Um, and Burnham... Uh, uh, and so they, they end up in the same place, basically, uh, trying to, for the same contact, trying to get Isolinium. Yeah. Um, and we do have a moment with um, Burnham trying to implore him to stand down from his plan with Tarka before uh, warning she will stop him if he proceeds. I, I sorry, are, are, was that, was that yeah, an actual That was my or... pause point, yes. Okay. yes. okay, sorry. I've just been, like, <clears throat> again, <sighs> Burnham's supposed to be the mastermind of all these, or not mastermind, but she's supposed to have all these deep, meaningful relationships that she, and she's supposed to be like a necessary conduit. And yet she keeps on threatening Book with things that would not appeal to him. Saying things like, you're giving up on everything you've built and like the Federation will come and hunt for you. And she does not, how do you not like realize, like I can realize that from, from watching the show that this guy just like wants to go be a loner and die for a cause. And he really doesn't want anything else. Like he wants to die for some hopeless cause and he does not care about building an institution or a legacy or anything. And yet she's trying to tell him like, look at all the things you're losing when none of them are things that he would care about. Yeah, there's, I, there, there is a kind of like, kind of lack of, you know, you would think that during the journey here that Michael would be like kind of working up her profile on book in the sense of like, okay, why did he make this decision? You know, like, and it doesn't really feel right. like she's kind of cracked that nut at all. And um, it's also weird because at first she seems to believe he's been abducted or like hypnotized in some way into, into going with Tarka. Yeah. While other people on the ship seem to be totally aware that he just left, like Culber's breakdown makes no sense if he believes that his patient was abducted. Right. Or misled, yeah. right? That's a really good point. Yeah. And it just, I think it does speak to the thing, though. And I mean, I know I made a joke about this earlier, but when you're in a relationship with somebody, you are creating stories about them in, the, in your head that coincide with your view of what your relationship is. And so maybe she has a, total, a different idea of him than he actually is. And this is what she's sort of coming to realize, yeah. I think, in this episode. I, I, it's possible I, people weren't list like as I get that it would, it's kind of bothersome from a plot perspective but i guess it's just a relationship thing you don't always know what yeah you or they weren't listening to him they weren't actually hearing what he needed or they didn't know mm -hmm. how to help him i i i i agree yeah i do agree with that and i think you know when i have issues here i feel like it's less the character of Michael and more just like, I feel like she's not, I feel like they're not dramatizing what's going on with her. Cause I, I, I buy, I, I buy her lack of observation. And I buy her disconnection from book, but I feel like that hasn't really been dramatized so much. Um, and I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like the past couple episodes might've hit differently if I felt like there was a little bit more on the page about Michael being afraid that she's, I mean, you know, 
worrying about book and his mental state yes that's on the page that's been in the episodes but like worrying about their relationship feeling you know disconnected from him basically like like i i feel you know i i don't necessarily feel that i never mm-hmm. got how they really connected in the first place like we don't we we don't ever like we know that they spend a year together or whatever but then after they're they're on discovery together we never see them hanging out or like doing things that a couple would do mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just kind I, of zipping I, off on individual. I so, agree. Yeah. yeah what, what? I agree. I don't like that either. But that that was what I was saying before that doesn't surprise me because they often just throw characters and relationships on Star Trek. Like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as par for the course with what Star Trek does with their relationships. Like, yeah, I sure. want it to be more. But then again, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I want it a lot more. I wanted a lot more from uh, Odo and... Uh, <laughs> Kira. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kira. <laughs> I wanted a lot more from Worf and uh Dax. I but wanted I, a lot more from everybody. But they I don't they don't it. often don't give that to you. And I, I agree that you should we should want it. Like it's missing from this story. I don't even really want when they get that. together. They're always like on the ver every single episode up to here has been like, okay, this is totally a relationship ending situation they should be more at heads with each other but they're never (laughs) questioning so i don't if if this is on purpose i'm interested to know because they're never questioning their love for each other they're only ever questioning their different moral standpoints Mm. on a subject but their love is never in question that yeah that that that's a good way to put it um i think in the third season in an early episode i think we did see them in bed together and i liked that you know because well, one, because they're both very attractive people and it's nice to see it. <laughs> anyway, um, but like also just like the, the the sense of like that tactile sense of like, you know, yes, this is a couple. Yes, they're hanging out in bed together. This is what they do. Like, I liked that because like that's not necessarily something we see in Star Trek. And like that's that's and that's very human and relatable, basically. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they only showed that once and I feel like never again. And sounds like a weird thing to argue for because you know i i i feel like i'm it sounds like i'm arguing just for that and not for storytelling but i think that can be storytelling and i just mm-hmm. feel like if not that then something i feel like that kind yeah. of re-cements them as a couple in our eyes i think yeah i don't even really care about the love story at this point anymore mm. but i just wish there was some adult in the room who said hey if you're gonna go on a mission where it's very likely you'll run into your ex-boyfriend you should perhaps have some sort of mental health evaluation where you have to talk about mm-hmm. the how you <laughs> oh, how you let this happen without it crossing your mind like how you let yeah. him run away without your mm-hmm. guard getting up and maybe it's like her talking to Culver and then that's an interesting scene where they're both working through what yeah. they missed yeah, and yeah. also prepares her but there's just no there's no like adult in the room I, I'm not I don't even want to say leash there's just no adult in the room well I mean if we oh, had that scene yeah. then we would never have gotten a fight with Ahuja Khan and a random stranger um, because apparently that's how we solve problems on this well, we could have still gotten barge. that scene we could have <laughs> well, still gotten no, that we still scene got, yeah, we could have no. yeah. had both and we could have yeah, cut yeah. out that that weird Culver scene where it's almost like comical how quickly they brush off his grief yeah. <laughs> well and and if you want to talk about i mean you know i think another solution here is like yes admiral admiral vance you know pulls michael aside and basically says um you know yeah you're going to do this thing off the book and and hopefully you'll run into book but also like either i'm coming with you or i'm mm-hmm. putting someone else on this team that is like you 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 are not the leader of this you know of this mission basically you are a member of it you know like someone yeah. someone yeah. that you need to report to and um, justify your decisions to 
yeah, it's just justify your decisions here. Yeah, it's perfect. Um, be, be, because I, I feel, and yes, you can still have that scene because I actually really liked what they, but like, but pairing Michael up with basically just an underling just kind of feels wrong given the, you know, the, given the conversation that, you know, is, is, is had in the president's office. Yeah. And like, what if it was on Koga who would come along on that yeah. mission? Oh my God, that would have been so yeah. good. On the other hand, we needed to see more of uh, Awushikun, Joanne Awushikun. We needed yeah. that in the 100% show. 100% agree. And I agree. think that was important for the show overall. Like yes. we're ignoring, we're, we're doing all this stuff with Michael and this plot at the expense of all the other characters. Like, yes. Uh, it's, and I, I. Um, what other characters? Yeah. Yeah, what other characters? <laughs> like, like, like all of them. They, do they get more so, than like, I don't know. Is there another character who really gets more than like get, a scrap per episode? They don't get, they're just getting little scraps, which is what we were talking about before where they were just given like Reese, like I just need to tell you my backstory real quick before we can go on with the rest of this episode. <laughs> well, that's that, that that's uh, lucky yeah. because sometimes they just don't get dialogue. They just have meaningful looks they give kind of give to each other. Mm -hmm. And we're just meant to be like, yeah, I'm not sure what that meaningful look meant, actually. Yeah, like you know? The blonde comms officer. We still yes. don't really know anything about her. So can I yeah. say this is a little this is on topic, but a little off topic because I was curious to know because on every discovery episode there seems to be little easter eggs that they drop in so i was trying to look up what the easter eggs were and i think one of the most interesting a couple of the interesting ones i found was um one of the ships that uh, one of the class ships that is mentioned by uh the admiral vance is eisenberg class which is of course oh, nice. named after uh aaron eisenberg there is a uss nog somewhere i don't know if it was shown on this episode but they, he definitely mentioned the uh, the eisenberg class um and uh, of course there's a changeling in this episode so changelings yeah. are still alive and well and causing havoc in the future and uh they're not all in the in the great like the great goo, sea. <laughs> the great goo. <laughs> um and then the boronite that they needed that this uh this these this civilization needed to mm -hmm. mine their mining equipment um, is a substance that this is a this is a deep cut guys this is a deep cut this is a substance that the Borg were experimenting with on the episode of Vo they mentioned on the episode of Voyager the Omega particle for the Omega directive oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so this is a part this is a substance that the Borg needed to create the omega molecule so i looked that up because i'm like what fascinating things could we find out about this episode other than the things that we i love that like omega particle that, that omega particle <laughs> episode was really good yeah I, they yeah. really put they put janeway and and seven of nine at odds in such a perfect way with that one um well that's cool thank mm -hmm. you carrie for the for the deep cuts on an easter okay. eggs i thought it was jesse <laughs> eisenberg so thank you not not um <laughs> not the star of the of the, of the social eisenberg network. passed away recently so they named a starship oh, class wonderful. after him that's great um i'll keep i'll keep working my way through the plot because we're, we're not too far because once again it's a lot happened in a lot in a lot of ways a lot didn't happen in this episode i think um so in order to outbid Book for the Isolinium, uh, Awujikun volunteers to fight in a high-stakes cage match to earn more money 
And despite being such a long shot against the resident champion, um, they sort of hustle this this um, this big old guy and driving up the odds against her. And finally, she sort of turns around and she's like, oh, by the way, I learned to fight at Starfleet Academy. Take that. <laughs> and she totally uh, kicks this dude's ass completely, um, which I, I found that deeply satisfying. I was like, I'm not mad about a grift element. Um on our team and um, it was it was really it was good and they really acted the part well I thought um, and as that's going on we also see um, Book and Tarka realize that the person they've been uh, seeing go around the room is as uh, Carrie mentioned a changeling so they're trying to figure out a way to uh, trap the changeling <clears throat> and they all end up working together to sort of tie up both their it's so funny because each thing they do sort of they're like we're working together again even though we're at odds which I think is so <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's very uh, interesting. Um, That's the relationship that they've set yeah. up for us. They just work together so well. Right, apparently. right, exactly. And so, yeah, so he helps them when they get threatened by the um, the person who's who they've beaten, where they're, they're getting their latinum, and they help the, the um, book and target catch the um, the changeling. And I was like, I felt bad for the changeling. I was just like, they probably were just trying to make a, a couple, you know, uh, pieces of gold-pressed latinum. It's not like know, they're that's... making a lot of gold-pressed latinum. <laughs> yeah. Because so. like they they I don't know there's something like the initial amount of money that they both give which is already a lot of money yeah and then then they have to get like I think I think has says forty five times more or something crazy like that <laughs> yeah and Same. apparently that is equivalent to having yeah. a, the changeling caught so the changeling was cheating him out of at least that much Latin <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I mean. It's a real, it's a real, uh, I think we want that, we want that spinoff, you know, the, the grifting, the grifter changeling, change that would be a nice <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that would be, that would be pretty good. So once they, once they both helped each other um, finish their, their two tasks, um, like we are in some sort of adventure game, which I appreciated, um, they, uh, they, uh, <laughs> they, they get, um, uh, has basically says, oh, by the way, I, I, I want to help you solve your problems with love, kids. And so instead, we're going to play a game of, I think, Leonian poker, which it looked like just straight up Texas Hold'em with mm-hmm. some weird cards to me. It, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Just weird, um, weird symbols on the cards. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, this. Be, I would prefer that they just really did real Hold'em. Because you know who played poker with real cards? Um, people on Star Trek Next Generation. So I, right. I'm just saying, right. there's no, there's precedent. Cards are <laughs> timeless. They're timeless in all, you know. Well, it, yeah, it's funny because um, Next Gen, obviously, poker game is a big part of Next Gen, actually. But you, this reminded me of, I'll actually a lot of the original series where like they would keep something exactly the same and just kind of change the name. Cause you're right. It is very, very Texas Hold'em. And they're basically just like, oh, let's just put some weird symbols on the cards, but the rules are exactly the same. <laughs> exactly like, the yeah. Same. They draw five cards in yeah, the middle yeah. and everybody's yeah. got two cards. And then you like <laughs> call, you literally still call and raise. Come on. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah, we proceed really to get, it. we proceed. No, to I get, didn't mind it at all. I thought it was cool. It was cute. I yeah. didn't mind it, but then we also do proceed to get, and I say this with respect, some of the worst acting that <gasps> the show has ever seen. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, point, I agree. They're wait, pretending wait. to be like. <laughs> wait a minute. I'm wait a minute. Like, okay. okay this, this scene had immense Star Wars energy. Like they're literally oh, in Moss Eisley, Moss Eisley <laughs> Cantina trying to like hustle some of the most grizzled, like uh, yes. grizzled miscreants in the galaxy, total vagrants. And it just felt like the show was winking at you every five seconds. Yeah. Huh. Like, hmm. like, oh, they're obviously oh not like, signaling to each other. They were signaling to each other in the most <laughs> obvious way. It's so funny that yeah. you mentioned Star Wars because I looked up 
Leonian poker to see if there was anything else about it anywhere on Star Trek. And the only references I could find are Star Wars references. Oh, that's the magic, though. They got some new writer in that room who didn't know what Star Trek was and got their wires crossed. (laughs) The reason, yeah, I think I heard about Leonian poker. We're going to put that in this episode. That sounds good. (laughs) I mean, the reason Star Wars like does it so well, like the like the cantina scenes in Star Wars are great, and it's because they're not winking at you and treating you like an idiot with like some character providing running commentary like there are moments mm-hmm. where you genuinely don't know what's going on like when han and greedo are pointing blasters at each other under the table before they mm-hmm. before you learn that you're kind of like why are they like looking at each other yeah. like that and talking mm-hmm. like that and then there's still there's still debates about who shot first and that's great but in this scene tarka's running his mouth saying things that give away books negotiating position yeah in front mm-hmm. of has like yeah book says yeah. oh yeah i have a debt and i hope he's forgotten which is like yeah great strategy but then <laughs> in front of has who's being very nice um the what's his face tarka says oh, seems like he's forgotten about the debt like out loud it's not a yeah. whisper <laughs> no no just oh my god like leave it that was a totally unnecessary line and it ugh. and that happens like at least five more times with burnham saying things out loud that should just be kept quiet <laughs> oh. i wish she she's like oh, 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 oh gosh what are these cards oh, oh. oh it was like yeah. tilly yeah, never yeah, left yeah. it was like tilly's <laughs> still <laughs> here I, tilly, is that you yeah oh. I'm, I'm gonna go halfway on this if only because like i like seeing michael smile and i like yeah, seeing michael true. kind of have some fun i i agree this was not the best implementation of it but, but I, I i i thought it was charming if ill-advised i guess basically but no you're definitely right there's a lot of like well there's a lot of like we've mentioned before how you know this show i hate to say it but like often does not really tend to give the audience kind of credit for something where it's just Mm -hmm. like we we need to have a character actually voice you know the beat that we're trying to land here um so the audience doesn't walk away going like i don't know what that scene was about no we're going to tell you what that scene was about and this felt very much the same way and just like okay let's make sure that everyone keeps re-explaining like what their positions are you know what the stakes are what just changed you know like what didn't just change you know stuff like that and and it 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 is clunky i mean you know it breaks immersion like i want to be more precise it's not just like I, it's also it's a personal taste thing, but it also breaks immersion. Like I have to stop paying attention and go like, why would anyone say that in that scenario? And yeah. then I go, oh, the show's treating me like I'm an idiot again. Right? Okay. It breaks tension. You know, it, it breaks the yeah. you know the the the, mm-hmm. the suspense of like in a scene like that. Basically, part of the joy is the things that people aren't saying because you know you the viewer know they can't. You know, right. and that like rewards you for paying attention because you're yeah. picking up on things that. They're subtly communicating or not communicating directly. And there's just no room for that here. All we're left with is the is the USS Eisenberg. <laughs> that's the class of ship. It's not the name of the ship, right? That's the, yeah. that's oh, sorry. Yeah, the class. Eisenberg, Eisenberg class. class. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. And then so that, that leads us to comes we come to the end of this poker Wait, match. Can we talk about has really quickly? Yes, go for sure. it. Yeah. Wait, so, so uh, no, I'm, you, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say has was unexpectedly delightful because he does the trope of like you know human you know human idiom but then you replace one with a human yes. animal or cultural yes. reference with an alien yeah, say, one. Say, say the he, one you said earlier. I, he, I, I don't... He, he takes it to completely stupefying levels or just unintelligible. <laughs> he looks he, he's telling he's telling book I offers book a deal and then he goes but jab a Brussels fly and I'll scoot some green bl- green bread. Clear? <laughs> <laughs> it's like crystal. 
crystal? crystal? <laughs> <laughs> you, you yeah, know, never they, explained. <laughs> they they needed a reaction shot where someone is basically, like, oh yeah, 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 of course, and then looks somebody else and be like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that what means. This is what you want more of, though. Good. This is what you're saying, yeah. right? It's like you want more of this. It's like you're not telling me what this means. It's just a yeah, fun look, like thing. Show me the characters trying to actually, yeah, act like their characters instead of telling yeah, us what's going right. on. Yeah, I, I get appreciate that. Instead, and it was the book just goes crystal and it's like, no <laughs> say say like got it bud and then he like i don't know as he walks away Ugh. um That's just 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 real quick though actually just to you know when you mentioned the um the, the poker scene basically having like the worst act do we do you mean like all around or was there someone in particular i mean michael burnham okay i think that i did not enjoy her um look at me doing the fake and maybe there was the nature of the scene but it didn't it didn't um yeah, I didn't. I was. I was just like, come on. <laughs> I, I also though want to talk about that because, it, as a parallel to Star Wars, like taking some sort of universe-ending, a plot that involves the like end of the known universe or like horrible destruction upon people, and then kind of having this sort of comic, goofy poker game be a major plot point, is itself interesting. Yes. Um, but that's done in other sci-fi. Like, it's done in Star Wars and other sci-fi. Well, and I think it's a big trope but, for, for, where, yeah. for where they are, like, with their outside of Federation space. And so when we often sure, see sure. other sci-fi things, is when there's when we're outside of, like, the known authority, it's portrayed in this sort of, like... Lawless you know, kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's true. But it felt weird because this series has dedicated a lot of time and energy for making us sit through the human cost of the impending destruction mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in a way that the other sci-fi IPs that would do this would not, mm -hmm. or at least they'd wait until later in the movie or episode. So I realized, I hear what you guys are saying. I realized that, um, what's his name? Haas, the, the weird guy Haas, <laughs> who says yeah. the things. Haas. I'm, I, he was a character that we never saw before, but what if that character was a character that we saw before uh, that we hadn't seen in a while? I was thinking it would be more interesting if he was um, uh, the the uh, the aliens from Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, what if he yeah. spoke oh. in that sort of parable? Because he was like almost it's there. Close and too. I yeah. Like, that wow. would have been so interesting if maybe this is my idea if i was writing this show i'd be like let's get i think they're tamarians so yeah, let's yeah. get the tamarians in there and <laughs> let's say they speak half like they have this on lower decks but, oh, they have a yeah. tamarian character yeah. on lower decks right, and he right. speaks half his language and half like english so it's like sort of this like weird choppy half uh <laughs> half story, half legible thing that you could say. Oh my I, God, I just want to put so that right. out there that that would have been more interesting. That's, that's I mean, a that's, cool idea. That's kind mm -hmm. of, I mean, that's kind of almost what happened, right? Where like half mm -hmm. of his sentences were incomprehensible metaphors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then the other half, he's talking like a 1940s New York, like street hawker. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can like, get you the goods, but it'll take some time, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And you were talking about like universe ending things. So what what Tarka and Book are trying to do is also devastating for the universe because that that what they want to that uh, that isolated weapon mm -hmm. could destroy subspace and make warp travel impossible. So you would once again cripple uh, people from interacting with each other. So that's right. an interesting 
uh, sort of parallel that we're trying to pull from this. Um, I, I also, see. I don't, I don't, yeah, I think that we're now stuck between two bad things possibly happening. And yeah. um, at some point, I didn't write any notes. I didn't, I just tried to absorb this episode, but really all I was, all I wrote down was Tarka is the big bad guy. Is Tarka the bad guy? This one, <laughs> you actually, know, like if yeah. if it's, I think it's a really fascinating idea that this uh, race of people are just mining. They probably yeah. aren't even real, like paying attention. Like that, there's living beings. If they do, they don't care. It's not. No, it's deal. like in my head. It, just, it's like everyone else's ants in the universe to them. Yeah, yeah. they're so, just no. like whatever. Yeah. We need that boronite, so whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I really like that concept and especially like, how do you fight that? How do you get in contact right. with that? Mm-hmm. My, my thing about Tarka in this episode is I feel like, you know, you know, and I apologize because this is the baggage of several episodes, but like Tarka is just like not clicking for me yet as yeah. a character rather than he just feels like a plot device basically yeah. to kind of move things around. And I feel like if he's Mr. Ends justify the means, I w- mm-hmm. kind of want to want that to kind of come out a little bit more during to, you know, like, like book is gone like but 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 book book is just not Mm -hmm. you know he's not thinking clearly so i'm not necessarily thinking this would have an effect on book but still like you know this will not be this is the first of many bad choices that tark is going to end up making with uh presumably book along for the ride as they get closer and closer to their goal at least that's kind of what i was thinking but like in this episode he just kind of hangs around a little bit he doesn't do anything that, they tried like, to give us a little bit more, I think, with, with a conversation yeah. with him in Awujikon. Mm-hmm. They um, did, they did. Where he was alluding like, to the fact that, like, what you've seen the amount of loss I've seen, this is what you do. And I was just like, well, what, like, well, what, what is it? What more do yeah, we not know that? about? Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. what is yeah. it? So, so far, he, they, he's, they've just portrayed him as this unmoving asshole. And he hasn't is, changed from being this unmoving asshole. And he's got this thing in mind. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we still haven't figured out, like, why do we... Why do we care about? Why are we putting up with this guy? Like, yeah. is he so smart? He's and just. Re- I don't trust him. <laughs> I don't trust him either. And I feel like of the of the like the I guess bad guys, quote unquote, like him and book books. Uh, he makes sense because he's doing this thing so he can go and Shawshank Redemption off to another universe, mm-hmm. when go meet up with Andy and Zia to Tanejo with his new power yeah. source. I still um, think it's more than that, though. I hope it's, it's gotta be. It, it's gotta be. So it's gotta be stupid. more. It's gotta be. Just that but on I, its own is so stupid. But I believe that he is willing, that he's trying to jump to another, like, to, to another universe, and he won't have to deal with any of the consequences of... Do you right. think they're setting up a multiverse thing? So, like, I next season not. will just be, like, Ooh, com- like oh same, same cast and just a completely different universe? I hope not. I'm still stuck no. on how like book is going along with all of this when it makes so little sense. Yeah. 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 I, it just, yeah, there's I mean. no way to like the, it's hard to even justify it with Tarka. And the only way it makes sense is if he's, is if he's planning to jump to another universe afterwards. The, 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 mm-hmm. the only way it does make sense. Well, I, it's all about the execution. I'm not saying this would definitely make sense. Script writers take heed. But at mm. the same time, I feel like what I thought they were going to be doing is, you know, have, book kind of slowly wake up you know like tarka making more and more kind of questionable decisions and book is basically just you know book just getting that gradual sense of like maybe i maybe i'm betting on the wrong horse here you know like yeah 
Yeah, um, and that should have really happened happen. in this episode, but it didn't. And it's not, it wouldn't have taken that much time. You just had to have no. Tarka have some sort of insane nuclear option that would have involved a bunch of civilian deaths on the casino yeah. to uh, steal the I think that's what we're going to get next episode. I think that's what's going to come next episode. I think, okay. Or, okay. or the next couple. I hope so. Because yeah. Book I'll, has I'll to hold you to that, Chris. Okay, yeah, please yeah, do yeah. No, because book, Because well, at the end of the scene, we get Book saying to her, basically... Yeah, maybe we should end this. Like he is doing yeah. that thing. He's he's crossing that Rubicon that cannot be yeah. crossed. Yeah, and, and they, they, they like need that for the stakes, I guess. Did they mean relationship as well as I thought? They, I thought they primarily made relate meant relationship. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's very ambiguous to me. He meant he I, wanted to split their phone bill up and then would have separate oh, phone bills. Now. That that, okay. that that can always so be tough. He's no, like, you're totally no longer that. on my family that plan because Quajan got destroyed. It's like it's easier said than done. And if you're on Mint thinking, Mobile, they only take human blood as a payment form. You know, sure, so, sure. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking that uh, Booker going rogue is the only thing to me that did make sense because, like, we're thinking your whole planet blew up and everybody mm -hmm. you love yeah. died and you're the last one of your race. Like, your grief should be, like, I was thinking he would just go crazier sooner. I think it's crazier, yeah. but, like, go off and do something rash. I that think makes it makes, I, I agree. I think that makes sense. Him hitching his wagon to Tarka is maybe the part that doesn't 100% make sense yes. to me. Mm. Yes, that's, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, he yeah. hates the guy. Exactly. And also the guys, yeah. like, I can buy him doing, going rogue, but I can't buy him thinking this is a logical plan and, you know, yeah, which yeah. he does. That's the crazy yeah. part. I, I don't yeah. have any respect for Book's character. Like, I know he's like a rash rebel who just kind of has an anti-authority complex. And I also really don't, I also don't love that mobile spore drive that they created. That's too easy. That was like, that's too easy. It did feel easy. kind of easy, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I didn't, that was like, sport, that spore drive technology is so special and you just made it in this little box. Well, maybe it's a chance to get rid of Stamets now. I'm kidding. I'm yeah. Kidding. Oh man. No. <laughs> wow. I, listen, guys. If Anthony uh, Rap. Rap. Rap is watching, I really Sorry, appreciate you um, as an actor, as a person. I think mm -hmm. you have value. <laughs> um, Whoa. <laughs> Good. I just good. didn't want I just didn't want anybody to think that I was totally a bad person. No, no one thinks that. No, 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 definitely. Yeah. Stamets. It's Stamets. I think it's well, the Stamets character yeah, that yeah, really gets me. And I think, you know, and I think, I mean, Anthony Rapp has been in the game like a long, long time. Yeah. And did, yeah. like, like you know, phenomenal yeah, actor. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I feel like everything we've discussed over the past couple of weeks, I feel like the implication is not like, oh, Anthony Rapp is a bad <laughs> actor, because like <laughs> No, 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 no. It's more no. just like, oh, what they're giving Anthony Rapp to do is, yeah. you know, it's hard almost, to make that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Here, let me let me do the last the last little scene before we so we okay. can close it on out. Okay. Um, so they um, they have this sort of stalemate at the end where they come to the um, they both go all in. They've kicked out the, their emerald chain um, hangers on and. Uh, Book ends up winning and basically saying, "Yep, I am going to take this thing. I'm I'm going to go." Um, and continue to help Tarka, and so, um, you know, we're, we're, we cut to then um, back in the Federation, and Rillick is incensed that Vance and Burnham worked against her orders and still failed to stop Book and Tarka. They do remind her they were outside of Federation space, so they didn't have any weapons. They couldn't bring them in by force, which I was like, really? But I, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, but then uh, sh uh, Michael does let her know that she sort of knew this would happen. She knew he was a better poker player than she is. So she she uh, put a tracking beacon on um, 
the uh, the cargo that uh, that he wins, and so they're able to track them, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a briefing on the information provided by Stamets and Saru with the latest set of data, um, which was um, worked out from what the other information that uh, Michael got from Has, uh, revealing that the anomaly is used to mine boronite from all of the areas it progresses through, um, realizing that Species 10... Uh, also, we'll see any interference with this mining operation probably as an act of war. Uh, Rillick commands Vance and Burnham to stop Book and Tarkov by any means necessary before they can enact their plan. Mm. More stakes and stakes and stakes. I mean, it's a... Uh, it's, uh, stakes steak upon night. stakes yeah. upon stakes. Yeah. I'll give my final thoughts. I'll give yeah. my final thoughts after this. Go for it. Uh, my... My final thoughts is that I enjoyed the adventure within an adventure of this episode. I think that uh, I'd be happy if there was more of that in um, Discovery overall, um, more more sort of away missions um, within the larger mission. Um, and I liked seeing Alosa Kuhn. I liked seeing that actress. And... Um, uh, yeah, I guess I guess that's my that's my final thought. That's all I want to okay. say. <laughs> sure, you're good on that. I'm done. I'm done. I've wiped what? my hands of this episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Jay, what about you? Any final thoughts? Um, well, I watched the final three episodes of Prodigy. Oh, and, <laughs> and I like them. Yeah. Um, I wish they had gone deeper on a certain on a few certain things, but overall, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. It was feel good, and the characters weren't just like paper thin with like one fun fact hanging off the edge. Mm. Yeah. Um, like I like I have surf, and so I can solve this problem. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like I've been told, or it has been suggested, that they just don't have the time in Discovery to do certain character things, um, or to flesh out certain certain ideas. And after watching Prodigy, I just don't feel like that's true. They just need to stop giving us certain, like, stop spending time spoon-feeding us things and maybe cut out some garbage. Yeah. And, Jay, I I know I said I was done talking, but I agree with what you said. (laughs) And um, the other thing I noticed is that the immense amount of dialogue, it's hard for me to follow sometimes with uh, Discovery. They could just slow down a little bit. Less and, economy of words, you know? And if they, did, if they did less of that, they wouldn't have to spend so much time explaining shit to us again. Yeah. That's <laughs> it's a like a point. self-created yeah. problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Mike Henley, any final thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything that both of you just said. And in addition, I feel like this episode... So, you know, like the, the, the too much time, not enough time, you know, thing, you know, everything. This episode kind of reminded me of how TV shows used to be structured or at least like around the early 2000s or so where like they were doing like 20, 24 episodes a season. And sometimes they just plain didn't have, they were, they were, they were stretching to make those 24 basically. Yes. So what you would get is an episode where like they're moving the ball forward, like one inch basically, you know, like, and which is effectively what happens here. And that sounds like a criticism and it's actually not because like, I came to like kind of really enjoy that kind of way as long as it didn't stretch you know, credulity for me, because I like the idea of like, okay, this episode, we're going to structure it so that the, 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 the meta story only moves 
a tiny, tiny little bit, you know? So we're gonna get to this new location and primarily we're going to be doing character stuff that ties into the meta story basically, but it's, it's kind of a, not a kind of pause and take your breath, but it's kind of a, you know, a, a, a it, it, it's kind of a, like, we're gonna spend time with these characters basically slowly trying to do this one thing essentially. Um, and that's what, and, and that's something that I felt like Discovery has been kind of missing basically like the, that that sense of like let's let's fluctuate the pace a little bit like let's mm-hmm. not have you know a million things happening in every single episode so i you know while i think it made some storytelling choices that i i did not agree with and i feel like execution wise wasn't 100 percent there i liked so much structurally of what this episode was doing and despite the fact that that you know we kind of mentioned the um, kind of star wars parallels basically and like they're definitely there but, you know, generally speaking, I do tend to like when we see like kind of like the not Federation, like kind of like the under the underbelly of the galaxy kind of thing where it's basically just like, yeah, it's just miners and there's a bar basically and there's some shady stuff happening in a back room and there's a poker game, you know, in everything but name kind of thing and and and, and all that stuff. I like I, I like that stuff a lot. I just wish that yeah, the, the, this episode had all the pieces for me. It just it it, it just was kind of missing a couple of things. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my yeah. final thought. That makes sense. No, and I agree. I, I, I definitely agree with all, everything you're saying. And Jay, I really appreciated the, the parallel because I was hoping you would see that the prodigy was going to pay off and it sounds like you did, you did enjoy that. And, um, and you're right. If they can do it in a 23 minute, you know, if they can flesh it out in 23 minutes, they can maybe take some notes yeah. over at the, and, um, the Raiders why- of Discovery. Why, why do they have more trust in kids as intelligent viewers than adults? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's why, I mean, that goes back like a little, you know, like that. I mean, th- that, that, that is a great question, Jay. I feel like that question is bigger than Prodigy, though, because, yeah, you know, sure. I feel like, you know, why was, you know, whatever year it came out, why was Inside Out like one of my favorite movies of that year, basically? And it's a great movie, but it's also just like, but, you know, other movies out there should at least be this sophisticated, right? If this yeah. is what we, you know, you know, like yeah. it's it's it, it, that that that's a great question. That's a great. Let question. me transition. Oh, let you. me transition all of this into saying what uh, I think Discovery does very well, which is uh, in be very they're very inclusive and they're expanding the definition of the Star Trek universe. Yeah, and mm-hmm. my uh, recommendation is. The, uh, the latest issue of Out Magazine, it has Mary Wiseman, Anthony Rapp, Wilson Cruz, Blue Del Barrio, Ian Alexander, Emily Coots, Coutts, and Tig Notaro. Uh, they're all giving very in-depth is- issue, uh, interviews, and um, the, the pho- uh, photography is amazing. They have these oh, photos cool. that are amazing. So is it all the queer cast members? The, yes. Yeah, all the queer cast members of Discovery um, on Out Magazine. So check that out. That's awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> Any other recommendations, guys, uh, from from Mike or Jay? Lodge Forty Nine. Lodge Forty Nine. Love it. Um, yeah, I've only seen one episode yesterday night, but mm-hmm. I have plans after this to watch more. Excellent. Oh, there you go. Yeah. If you're looking for a little, um, I wouldn't call it like the most amazing thing I've ever seen, but. Um, and it's like number one on Netflix, so it's going to get recommended to you anyway. But Inventing Anna about the Anna Delvey story is on. And that's it's a Shonda Rhimes. Speaking of Shonda Rhimes, it's a Shonda Rhimes production. Mm-hmm. And it's about that woman who faked being a German heiress um, in New York. Oh, and yeah. She, and she like duped like banks and hotels out of like $200,000. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's it's pretty fascinating. I mean, the main actress, who's from Ozark, I believe. Yeah. She um, is doing a really, it's a tough Russian accent. But other than that, it's very enjoyable. Well, it's, it's supposed to be like an incomprehensible accent. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And so it's hard to do, which I think she's doing it well. Yeah, yeah. Well, good. And Mike, you, you have any or? Uh, I wish I did, actually, but I don't really have, um, yeah, nothing I can really think of. So pass. I'll, go, I'll, I'll come up with something for next week. <laughs> pass. Okay, fair enough. Well, then we should uh, end this end episode as we end every episode by singing uh, Every Time by Britney Spears. Here we go. Every time I try to find a